Hey, to the point listeners, just want to give a really quick shout out to our two sponsors, uh, smartac.com. You've heard us talking about it quite a bit lately. It's really, really cool. Um, really, really easy to implement and something that sets you apart, makes your memberships easier to sell and also makes those customers a little bit more sticky. So check out smartac.com. Also, Home Service Freedom, Tommy Mello's event uh, at the end of the year in November in Orlando is going to be a big deal. Home Service Freedom, you got to check it out. I'll be there speaking. I'll be uh, leading one of the panels. That's not the only reason you should go. There's a lot of really, really, really great speakers that are there too who are going to stay and spend time with you. So be sure you check out Home Service Freedom and enjoy this podcast with my man, the legend, the general, Frank Harrison. This is To The Point. A rhino experience. Bullet one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your boy, Chris, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. And we got another wing dinger for you. Wow, when's the last time you heard wing dinger, Rusty? I'm not 100% sure where that even came from, but uh, I was just back in Indiana. So maybe somebody said, we're going to have a real wing dinger. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. That is like the classic Rusty Cochran saying to me, propane, propane accessories. <laughs> anyway, okay, already off to a bad start. <laughs> so Rusty Cochran the, uh, will be my co-host today, and Rusty is uh, president from We Care. He's been on before. Uh, a good friend of mine, him, Stephanie, has a beautiful, great bourbon barn out in the back of his house that I've been able to visit. Uh, thank you for that, by the way. Yes, sir. <laughs> that was a great time. <laughs> But uh, I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you know what? The, the ride home was definitely an interesting one. I was not driving. I was riding. Hear me say the ride back to the hotel. It was a fun <laughs> you night. Go. No, you built that you thing go. is awesome. Like you have, I thought what I, what I want, I've got a great bourbon collection and uh, it doesn't even come close to touching Rusty's bourbon collection. It is uh, admirable, but we did have a good time that night. And, uh, I want to go ahead and also just introduce um, our guest. And I actually was trying to think back as I was prepping for the podcast on when I when I first met Frank, and he wouldn't remember. Uh, but it was a it was a while ago, and I can't remember which distributor meeting it was at. I was there, and I was doing a breakout or something a long time ago. And Frank was winning all the awards, so <laughs> whatever it was, you were winning a bunch of awards, which is how I recognize the name. But Frank Harrison is our, our guest on the on the, uh, on the podcast today, and, and some of you might know him as the uh, the plumbing private of Palm Springs, or the uh, air conditioning colonel of the Coachella Valley, <laughs> or or the captain of comfort, <laughs> captain of comfort, or hey, maybe you know him from you're really into water skiing because he's a water skiing extraordinaire. <laughs> That's right. And probably the coolest thing, the king of culture. Frank, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored. And I want to thank Rusty for helping set all this up. Uh, you know, I've been retired for five years now. So to, to come back into the industry like this is exciting. And uh, it's, it's, for me, watching, watching the growth of Rusty and his company has been probably one of the most exciting things. So uh, I still try to stay con in contact with different people. I have a couple of companies here in the desert that I mentor. Uh, people call me, want to know things, and I tell them, but don't forget, it's changed so much. I'm probably not right now, but uh, I'll do my best. Well, so for those who don't know, um, Frank is the former president of General Air Conditioning and Plumbing uh, over in the Coachella Valley area, too. So if you ever driven through there like I have, you would see some of those 
signs around there. But um, I know you've been watching Rusty. That's about as exciting as watching paint dry. So I'm sorry you have to go through that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I used to call Rusty when I see one of his trucks in the valley here. I says, hey, we got a problem. You're not supposed to come over here. <laughs> and he said, he lives there. I, I said, well, I saw his truck at the bar. <laughs> and then come to find out it was me. <laughs> it was actually Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on here. And, and I mean, you were in business for what? Nearly like almost 50 years or some crazy number like that, which oh, is. 40, 46 years. Yeah. Um, so I guess I was close nearly. So 46 is closer. If it were 44 or 45, maybe it doesn't work out. But 46 years is 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 close. So uh, I want to talk about some of those things. And I also am really interested to, to get your perspective on like current standing, you know, of the trades and things that you've, you know, seen and heard. So we'll get to that part later, but, um, Rusty, unless you have any like fun stories since you guys are buddies that you want to share about Frank, I'll, uh, I'll jump in. I mean, we've, we've had some wild times and, uh, you know, some great stuff. He was truly my mentor in the industry. So the company that I, that I grew up under, uh, we were the largest in Southern California at the time. I was just a helper and then worked my way up to be the general superintendents, what we called them then, uh, for the company at the end. But, you know, I always heard about Frank. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Frank, but you were the third largest at that time in Southern California where for new construction now. So um, I always heard the stories about him that, you know, our owner would say, like, you know, we we're both union companies. And he's like, you know, neither one of us are now. But, I mean, we were, we were going over to uh, – like our owner's going over to his place to tell him that he uh, is stealing our guys, taking all the work. And you still hear it in today's industry that he's yep. taking all the jobs for a hundred bucks less a house, you know, so, you know now it might be a thousand dollars less or whatever it is. But I mean, it was, but that was the whole stories. And he would, you know, our owner would come back and we had to hear these stories in our manager's meetings all the time. And, you know, God bless him. He was a great owner to me. He was a very uh, good mentor as well, but he would, say, you know, I went over to Frank's office, talked to him about all this stuff. And the funny thing was, is he couldn't take our people. He wasn't paying them more because we're union. So it's all the same scale. So there was nothing there to that. But, you know, and they weren't like horror stories, but he'd go over there and say, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to punch you in the face, you know, type of thing to (laughs) Frank, you know, and, and uh, so, I mean, I just heard all these kind of stories about that, but I never met Frank. And, you know, Frank would just, you know, when I finally met him and he would tell me the same story. So I didn't know if they were real or not, but then you're in the, I finally meet Frank and I mean, he's so open, so giving, you know, so caring. And it wasn't just to me, it's to any company that wants to go out there and see his place that he would open the doors to, but he was, you know, we got to know each other more and more and he would tell me the same stories, a little bit different, you know, his side of it would be more like, you know, he's going to punch him. And Frank's like, right here, right here on the chin, right here, just hit me right here, you know, bring it on type of thing. So, I mean, it was, it was a, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was a, it was fun just to hear the, uh, the backup story to those stories. So, uh, but again, I mean, to me, you know, he's been um, a great blessing in my life to have him a part of it. So super excited to have him on here. Uh, you know, I'm glad to be back too as well. So yeah. let's get this underway. Let's do it. Hey, one thing worth noting also before we get into it is, um, and something I really, really appreciate you aside from business, Frank, is your heart for giving back. Uh, I for sure have the same thing too. And anybody who knows me knows like it's a big, big deal to me. It's one of our core values at Rhino. We don't just say it, we do it. And it's not just write a check. It's also using the hands and feet. So we do both those things. So giving back is is a big deal to me. And I know it's a, a, a big deal to you. So uh, kudos to you for sticking to your guns on 
doing good. Um, you know, so, you know, Chris, I, I believe that was a big part of my success. Uh, but uh, I, I want to go back to, to one thing Rusty said, because at the time, the owner of his business, Don Flora, he used to be my boss when I was an apprentice at Safeway Plumbing and Heating when I started in the trade back in the 60s. And he was my boss. And then when I left and went out and started, he started his business, I started my business. But uh, he did get mad at me. And I, he, their building was right down at the end of the street from my building. And he came down one day, he was so mad because one of his, I didn't steal his employees. They came and wanted to get away from Irvine West. Borrowed. Came to work for, you for borrowed. Harrison, heating, you, air conditioning. you borrowed them for good. <laughs> yeah. And so he comes down and he was furious and he comes in and screams and yells at me. Then he lays rubber all the way down the street to his <laughs> shop. <laughs> wow. I'll never forget that one. So, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Wow. I didn't mean well, <laughs> that's great. That's great. It's getting scrappy. You said back in the sixties. <laughs> Did they have any in here back then? <laughs> Holy shit. You're sending smoke signals back and forth then, right? <laughs> well, you know, something, uh, I started, I would, you know, when I started in trade, I started as an apprentice and the union and everything. And then I became real, very aggressive. So I was superintendent for a small company and, and my boss was an alcoholic and I come to work at six in the morning. He'd be passed out in his car. So I'd carry him in, put him on the couch and try to sober him up. But meanwhile, he wasn't paying his bills and you'd go and you'd be cut off places. And so it really made me sit and say, why am I doing this for him when I could go out on my own? And that was the decision that helped me make helped make me uh, decide to go out and uh, get my own license and start business. And and uh, I didn't have any money. I, my house was worth fifty thousand dollars back in the sixties. Then I bought ten thousand dollars against it, and to to be able to start my business. And I ran it out of my backyard in the beginning. Did but you did, hold on, Frank? Did you say? ten thousand dollars to start your business yeah and not like you know it that the you know i was it i was the business and i but here's what's funny chris is it that i couldn't afford a truck so i had to sell my car to get a truck now at the time i was single and i like to go dancing and meet girls and everything now this is back in the <laughs> 60s so if you met somebody and I didn't, I couldn't take them out my, in my work truck. So I'd have to borrow a car from somebody to take them out on a date back then because I couldn't afford a car. We have to find a picture. We have to find a picture of Frank in the sixties and somehow find that to post it. We got to get like, make that a mission. Frank, help us out. Rusty, help us out. Help us find that. I love it. But, uh, you know, interesting is that, uh, I started out as, as just me and, when I left the other company I was superintendent for, they always said, Frank, if you ever go out on your own, call us and we'll, we'll help you get started. And so I had a number of people doing just duplexes and single houses in Long Beach. I was born and raised in Long Beach, California, and that's where I started my business. And uh, then from there, I moved out to Orange County and, and grew it. But uh, uh, the thing was, is I had to go into the union and they came after me because I'd been apprentice. And so they said, well, we want you to stay in the union. You start a business and, and, you know, so you still get, you know, your retirement and all this and that. Well, it's the time I said, okay, but, uh, that, that ended up to be my demise down the line. And, uh, because at the time the non-union element was out there, we'd be doing, as I grew and I was doing tracks is that three corners of tracks would be 
non-union and we'd be the only union shop and it became very hard to compete. How long ago was that, Frank? Like, give me a that, rough time frame. That was back in the, that was in the eighties, the, the late seventies and, and early eighties. And so at the time, because at the name of my company then was Harrison Heating and Air Conditioning. And so at the time I decided I was going to start a non-union shop and they call that double breasting. I went to an attorney and got it all set up legally. And I, I turned around and, and, move that company out to Corona because I wanted arm's length. And what my intent was, was to take Harrison heating and air conditioning and make it a commercial business and, and just do commercial because that was still pretty union and do all my track work uh, out of uh, what I called it inland heating and air conditioning at the time. A long story short, the union came after me and uh, it became a nasty legal battle and they, the local union ran out of money. So they went back to the international and they came after me into racketeering, saying I was by having a non-union shop, I was diverting pension funds that should have been paid to union employees to non-union employees over at Enlin Heating and Air Conditioning. And, and it got so bad, they were staking out my house and following me places. And what they do, what they do at the time is that the, the guys that were out of work, they would go find my tracks and they would take and put nails through the reefer lines. So once it's the like house teams started, or stuff, you know, they, like... they were violent. I mean, it was terrible, but, uh, so anyhow, uh, that was a 13 year battle at the end. I mean, I was Harrison heating air conditioner was 13 years old and oh, I, my gosh. I, I started inland in 1984 and they overlapped for two years, but I spent so much time fighting the legal side of it. And it was, uh, it was one of the hardest things I had to do in business and I'm not proud of it, but, uh, I had to turn around to get the union off my back. I had to bankrupt Harrison Heating and Air Conditioning. And it was devastating to me because I'd worked so hard to build it up. And at the time, my insignia on the side of the building, I had icicles and flames and that was everything, you know, and and it was uh, it was really hard on me. And, uh, but I will tell you this, my at the time I was a Linux dealer and I've always was a Linux dealer, is that uh, I sat down with Linux, owed him $500,000, and I signed a personal note with him and made a payment schedule for five years. And because I still had Inland, even though, and then, so then the union turns around and comes after me at Inland. And so they called in all the employees that had gone to Las Vegas, the time Las Vegas was booming. So all these union guys had gone to Las Vegas. They, they flew them back to Ontario, bust them over to my shop, and had a had a the labor department came out and they had a they had an election, and to to force me back into the union. Well, they lost by two votes because at the time, and they, they would not let me on my property. They had caution signs across the road, and only the union guys. And they brought back I think thirty some union guys because at the time, at the time going back when I was Harrison Heating and Air Condition, my biggest year was $22 million. That was back in the eighties. That was big dollars. That's big. Eh? But it, you know, like Rusty said, we may not have made any money, but that was big dollars. <laughs> You're a new construction. You're a new construction. <laughs> and so, so when they lost that, when they lost that election, uh, because I was paying better than they, than their pension plan. I had better health plans. I had everything. And I've always, it's been my philosophy my whole life. You treat your people right and you'll be successful. You take care of them and you create a culture. And that's what I did. And so, and I paid back every person 
every person that when I filed my bankruptcy, every person over the next five years, I paid back because, and I never got cut off. I still did business with all those people. And to this day when with Lennox, and I've always had great respect with Lennox is, is that uh, I flew down to, I flew down to uh, Texas and, and personally went to lunch with, with John Norris, the president of, of Lennox at the time. And we shook hands because I, I honored him and he honored me. And I appreciate that. So, and, and, and that's the kind of ethical things that you have to do to be a good businessman, I truly believe. Yeah, integrity. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's go to, uh, you know, from there, because you're, you're a big, you're a big player. I mean, 22 million is huge in the, uh, at that timeline. Right. So you get out of it and you go, you go buy a little company in the desert desert that's doing still new construction, but you're shutting down inland as well. But now you're going into this uh, service replacement model. And my point is like you were doing the new construction, but the reason why I got into the service replacement model is because my whole background was new construction as well. And to see you transition your company, because we didn't really even met yet. We met at the city of Palm Desert one time. Yeah, we did. But, in the building department. Yeah, I really didn't know you. And then uh, when I saw that you got rid of all that stuff and did a service replacement model. I mean, that's when I, it was 2007 when we actually, I got to go visit your business and I saw what you were doing. And that's when we started to shift our model. And then you were just so open to give me, here's job descriptions, here's pay plans. Here's how you, you know, dress. I mean, we're in seriously with Chris, we're wearing sweats. You know, we had our, logo was like Harley Davidson riding. Yeah. We look like a bum like you. We had, uh, <laughs> we had a uh, skulls like on our shirts, like with a, uh, you know, blood dripping off of them, like heat type of thing. Bicycles. And, I mean, it was like full on like Harley looking guys, you know, type of thing. Uh, except I was puny, but I'm, I'm anyway. having a hard time envisioning you looking tough in a Harley shirt. Okay. <laughs> Not like that, except for me and being puny and all, but I mean, we had some really cool looking shirts, but I mean, we were, and then we went out there and saw them and they're in these uniforms and, you know, seriously, when we started looking at stuff, I took pictures of it, came back to our office and showed them like, here's how we look. Here's how they look. Let's see what we want to do here. And, you know, the guys loved it. We went and got uniforms. And seriously, our guys stood like a foot taller than they were the day before from the time that they were wearing that. And then to learn how to walk up to a house, how to knock on the door, how to park, how to what to say. All that stuff came from him. I went to an operations accountability class. I didn't know anything what the heck that we're talking about. But I got to meet Frank through uh, through that class as a and uh, going out to his company to see what we could do. I mean, that, it was totally life changing for us. And you know, and, you know, now here we are, what we're doing. And uh, but like shift gears and go into the uh, you know, you, you buy the the company in the desert. What made you get out of new construction? To was it because your funds were so high, profit dollars on new construction? <laughs> Well, you know, it was interesting because how I ended up with the service company in the desert was that I had a builder 
wanted me to do a job out there. And I said, uh, I can't go out there because I can't service it. You have to be able to respond the same day or the next day. And so uh, I started looking for a little company that I could pay to do service. And I, and I found a company. It wasn't General, but it was another company. And this, the fellow I dealt with, Herman, was their, was their service manager. And he ended up starting General. So when he started General, I went with him. And I paid him $100 a house, so I never had to go back and do service during the one year. Uh, and, and it kept my reputation as, as inland heating and air conditioning clean. And then I realized that, you know, I had had a condo out there since in the 70s. And, and I said, you know, I think this is the way to go. So I ended up uh, selling inland. For a couple of years, I went back and forth, half a day here, half a day there. And I, slept. I was single. I was divorced. So I sleep in the office, work, get up, run in the morning, be back in the office, do my thing and whatever it took. And then I'd race and do the thing over in Corona too. But, but uh, I had the opportunity to buy general air conditioning. And at the time, uh, it, was, it had four employees. I was a fifth employee. And we had, uh, my first year was, there was like $536,000 in business. Just what year, typical small what year, Frank? Company. What year was that? That was uh, 1993. Got it. And, and so uh, I saw an opportunity and I had to finish off some construction that I had done, but, and that's why I always rest, uh Rusty that, you know, he says he was a service company, but he's out doing new construction and, and he's, well, I'm just winding down. <laughs> Always. But uh, um, what I made a decision that as I, I saw an opportunity out there and uh, I made a decision to only keep my business in the Coachella Valley and be, I wanted to be the best little air conditioning company in the desert. And how was I do it? So I set up a plan and the desert's about, Coachella Valley is about 27 miles long and about 14 miles wide. And my thing, I want to be the best in that small area. I don't care how big I get. I will. And I've always had a, always had this uh, theory, Chris, that, that if you do things right, growth will come automatically and, uh, and profitability will too. And so that was always my, uh, you know, theory um, in running a business. And then the next one is to surround yourself by the right people because you can't do it all. And I'm not a micromanager, never have been. I've been a great delegator. And you, you get people, I get people around me that were smarter than me, you know, that could could repair. I came from the install side. You know, I used to be an installer, but I didn't have a service. I take a ton of parts out and just keep replacing them until a union would start running, you know, because that was the kind of service guy I was. But uh, no, you know, so, so general air conditioning, I just, started it and grew it and and uh and you made a comment earlier and about giving back in a small valley like that people know who you are and i looked around and thought okay how am i going to be visual to the people out here and the other thing is is a 55 and older community the whole this is a retirement community it was a second home community the canadians come down so you're dealing with a different market so I have a, uh, had to end up hiring a marketing gal, and uh, we analyzed what the market was down there, the 55 and older, the people that still didn't know how to use a computer, some of them back then, you know, and just people that uh, they didn't do emails. They still read the yellow pages, and, you know, that was, that, that was a sign of the times back there. So, 
And back then we did direct mail. And, and even though now I, I just came back and my mailbox was so full and it's all junk mail, but, uh, but every, every week we send out 5,000 mailers. And this was back in the, this is back in this, in the eighties and, uh, and the nineties. And so, and we'd hit the same country club. We'd analyze what country club, what kind of equipment they had in it and how old the equipment was. And so then we'd market that and go for that. And one of the things in the desert, you know, there's like 40 country clubs out there and you better take care of everybody because they'll go to the clubhouse and badmouth you if you don't. So sometimes you're, 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 you're kissing their behind, giving things back just to keep, to keep it happy and, you know, in that country club. That's right. You don't want it to come up in the HOA board meetings. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, then as a company continued to grow, I created a, well, I created a culture and, and in 2005 is when I got involved with rapport leadership and Lennox recommended me to go to it. And I never even questioned it. Anything that had leadership on, I was, I wanted to grow. I wanted to go. What's your, what's rapport leadership? Was this like a, what, what, what was that? Well, it, it was a, it was an organization out of Las Vegas that uh, had uh, uh, it's a two. Each one of their classes is two and a half days, and basically the leadership one is building self confidence, getting to know yourself, getting out on that skinny branch, and being able to make decisions. And and even myself, who was very outgoing, when I went to that I went to that class, and and uh, uh, the the first the first night. You come in, you meet, there's 20, 21 or 22 other people in that class. And after dinner, you go in the classroom and, and uh, uh, you have to give a three-minute speech on punctuality in front of all these people you've never seen. And me, I talk with my hands. Well, guess what? I'm standing, I, my turn to get up there and I start talking. Mr. Harrison, put your hands down. That's not what it's about. And that was the beginning of this class and Rusty went to it also. And, uh, and so... I came back so pumped up, understanding sitting across from people face to face and thinking they're looking at you at, at your blemishes, but no, they're looking at what type of person you are and who you are, what you are. And also, Chris, it, it was all about giving from the heart. It wasn't shaking hands, it was hugging. And uh, back then, I mean, I know you have to be careful who you hug nowadays, but but the thing was, it was hugging. And when you left there, after two and a half days and they bust you back from this retreat out in Alamo, Nevada, back to Las Vegas, you knew those 20, other 20 some people better than you a lot of your friends, right, Rusty? I mean, oh, yeah. pretty powerful. And I came back and I was wound up and I says, I've got to start sending my people to this. And at the time, it was like, I think, $1,200 a class. And, and they have three classes. They have leadership one, which is about you. Leadership two, which is team building and and leave no one behind. And then power communication, which is you have three different types of people in your business. You have auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. And the best servicemen are kinesthetic. If you go to a service meeting and you watch them, they're tapping their feet. They're, 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 they're sitting there with a pen going like this, so doing something. They make the best servicemen. Everybody has a little bit of, a, of each in it. Myself, I'm I'm very auditory and I'm very visual, uh, and and I like things nice. And that was one thing in my building. And Rusty can attest that I wanted my building to be a place that people 
love coming to work. People, they bring their wives, they bring their kids and bring in and share. This is why I work. Be proud. Yeah. And because if you have that attitude to start with, then you don't mind being there. No, you can have bad days and, along with the good days, but, but you know, the surrounding is what is what makes a big difference to me. So anyhow, those are the three classes. And interesting enough is that I started sending my staff and, and, I came back so wound up. I I walked down the hallway and people were afraid I was going to ask them to go to this class. They'd hide in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and you only sent them one at a time. They didn't send them together. They sent them one at a time. And then they go back and they'd come back on fire. And what I'd do is I'd, I'd block out two hours. I'd give them the first day just to share everything. And the second day I'd block out two hours so they could get up in front of the class, the whole company, and share their experience. And as you had more and more people, and I, I, I think I sent over 60 of my employees to it over a number of years and get up and then other people get up and say, yeah, I remember that. I did this. That's what I, you know, and it built team. It built culture. Uh, people cared. I mean, to this day, I can go to, to general, and I've, you know, and walk in there and the people that have been to that class, they wait in line to hug me. And I love it. That's I have ex-employees over at company around the corner that is a great company and I, I I've spent time with them Timo's air conditioning really good company yep, I know. and and so Joey and Joe and I go over there and when I walk through the door there's three employees over there that used to work for me they left after after I sold the business they jump up and come and hug me and it's such a good feeling and I get people that don't hear out of this class and I'm sure Rusty can attest to it very much that what you get out of this class benefits you and benefits the employee, the individual, a whole lot. And when they work, they work, it benefits you. Now, when they leave, they still own that. They can take that anywhere. And I have people text me, I have people email me, phone me, thanking me for the opportunity they had to go to rapport. And and at at the time, uh, I was in airtime, and people saw how different and asked me to get up and talk and ask how different our company was, the culture and everything. And I shared with them. So then at the time they said, is there any way we could get these folks to come and talk? So we basically had down in new Orleans, I got report to come down there and they had probably 500 people in there and, and uh, they went through some of the procedures. And after that, I, you nominate people to go to this and, I, I got you nominated, and all these com all these air conditioning companies have sent people. I nominated Rusty, but he chickened out, so I had to send Stephanie. And I sent Steph. <laughs> and when Steph came back, that sounds about right. <laughs> Come on, man! I'm a master grad from there. <laughs> <laughs> After that, Rusty went, and he he got on fire too. And and when I what I would do is when when I'd have employees in leadership one, I would I would go back because I'm a, what they call a master grad, and Rusty is too, going, having gone to all three classes, is that I would go back and help, they call it on team, help uh, support the the trainer and leadership too, and doing, you know, putting the paperwork out, doing stuff like that, just so I could be in that environment to keep me pumped up. And that I'd come back on fire, but I, the best thing was is I'd watch, I get to watch my employees, whether they're in leader two or leader one, I watch their growth during it. And, and I go back to one example, and I know I'm rambling on here, but my office manager, and she still works at General 25 years later, 
she's a little shy Mexican girl, but she worked when, when we were a five man company, five person company, she'd come in on Saturdays and work on the finances with me, do whatever it took. And when I sent her, she was scared to death and I flew over there with her and, and I was, I, I couldn't go into the class or anything, but anyhow, she was so shy. She couldn't stand in front of the company meetings or anything. When she came back, she was on fire. She got the most improved award. They give a sword and, and, and the sword is, is, is given voted on by the students, not by the instructor, but by the students. And they gave her, I was at a graduation and they gave her the most improved. She still has it on her wall in her office and she can get up and has no fear of talking to anybody. She doesn't take, she doesn't take crap off people. She has just gotten so strong and I'm so proud of her. Is it one, does this still exist? Is this course still around? Yeah, it is now. Uh, what they're doing is they're rusty and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, they're, they're doing, they sold the retreat out in Alamo. And so they're doing leader one in hotels, different places. And leader two, they have a retreat locally here. They're doing it up in the mountains, some up here. Yeah. And then power, power communication, uh, I would always do it in town here. I bring the trainer in here and rent a hotel room because I wanted, I wanted my, my employees, the ones I sent. And I usually send, you know, I, I, I do the whole company in power communication. And if there was 20 that hadn't gone and I, so they'd understand the culture of the business, I would turn around and send their spouses to pay for it all because I wanted their spouses to understand what general air conditioning was all about. Interesting. So, so I want to ask like a few questions around this too, because um, I'm assuming this played a big role in the overall success of the company because you got people yeah. to be, you know, to speak up more, to be braver or to be um, maybe more like diligent in bringing like concerns or changes or ideas or whatever, like, and having good conversation back and forth was probably all contributed to the overall success of the business. Is that right. fair? Very much so. Okay. Very much so because what what it did, it built a team and it created a culture of people caring. You didn't have to love that person, but you liked them, you worked with them, and the end result was success for everybody. When the company grows, the employee grows. Right. And that's what I love to watch because I just love to watch people grow better themselves and 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 move forward in life. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, leadership training in general, um, regardless of position in the business, because it does, it does, uh, it can help you think differently, think bigger. Uh, and no matter what role that you're in and, and one, it, um, it allows us as business owners, the to give the opportunity to our employees to one, be better for themselves professionally, but also helps them you know, personally too. But, um, it helps them think bigger because it is, you know, not everybody can see, is a visionary and not everybody can understand why this decision impacts this, this decision over here. Um, but you can give them some of the tools to unlock those things, which then makes it better for themselves and for the business and, and everybody. So uh, I'm a big fan of leadership training, regardless of position in the, in the business. Well, and I think there's a lot of companies that's growing off of, uh, you know, and a lot of number of people that you, you know, you've spoken to over the, over the time have sent employees have been at one time. Now the latest thing is, is that Rusty and I started going to was bold, right? Rusty. Yeah. Driven so, leaders. 
and, and they're an offshoot of Rapport, and uh, uh, they're very. We build a very strong relationship with those folks, and and uh, they do an awesome job too. And they do it locally here, so it's a little bit easier. Yeah, I think that um, point being is you got to find something like this too that you can, or it doesn't necessarily have to be this one, but this is what worked for you. But there's options out there that oh, you sure. can send them to to go do different things. So I want I want to ask a couple more like. <clears throat> businessy questions because when did you um when did you sell uh when did you sell the business what year was that when did i sell general yes uh 2018 five years ago got it so so between let's just say that eight the eight and nine um weirdness of the market at that point in time through the you know through well, well let's just when you sold the business where was it at revenue wise revenue wise it was at 15 million Got and, you know, and remind you that I'm not my whole philosophy. I didn't want it where Rusty has gone over the all over the country to grow his business. And I respect that. I never went out of this valley. I never wanted to go out of this valley. Now, Costco, we have two Costco's here, which would help. So you had the, re- yeah, you had the retail side. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And and, uh, uh, you know, the thing was, is that, that uh, the pandemic happened right after that. And that created a whole different ball game. And as we as we know, and and I think that uh, uh, it was an eye opener. I spent a lot of time. I had a five year consulting agreement, and so I went back and and coach where I could coach. Sometimes they listened, sometimes they didn't. But <laughs> anyhow, uh, but uh, it's made them stronger. It's made them better, and I'm proud to say that uh, the business went down immensely, but it's almost back up where it was and they're heading in the right way. And let's let, so let me, uh, just for the listeners, I don't know it, but you had, you sold the business to, cause there's a lot of private equity going on right now and you didn't sell to private equity. You sold to two of your employees and one of them, Francisco being there basically forever. So, I mean, you know, it was, a uh, you could have got more money on the outside, but you chose to stick with the employees. I think there was two reasons for that. Uh, private equity groups. I promised my wife I'd retire at 75. I'm 80 years old now, and I, w- I would still be working if I wasn't married <laughs> because I love my employees. And uh, But in making that decision, the private equity groups that approached me, yes, they offered more money, but they wanted me to stay and do an earnout, And that went against what I promised. And I, I go back because many years ago, I lost the marriage because I was a workaholic. I never came home. She says, you're married to your business, not to me. Yeah. And I couldn't ever let that happen again. So so my commitment. But as Rusty said, Francisco started when he was 17 years old, sweeping the floors in the warehouse. And uh, he went out on his own time on Saturdays to learn how to install, learn how to do maintenance. And I was so proud of him as he went up. And he turned out, I think for airtime, I was he was like the, only the it was like the sixth or seventh guy ever to sell $2 million in one year. And uh, which was, which was, I was so proud of him. I call him the $2 million man. And he was, a, what's interesting, he was, he was a selling tech. He didn't want to be a comfort advisor because he wanted to make sure he had a salary. Well, I says, you know, you, you could be the best comfort advisor out there. And, and I will tell you that uh, he was by all means, he could, he, during the pandemic, I'm so proud of him. We had a meeting and there was some problems going on and the sales were shrinking. And I said, you need to go back and sell. You don't need to be a service manager. You need to go sell. And that was in April. 
And I watched the numbers and I still had access to the financial statements, watched the numbers and watched the growth. I was so proud of him. In December, he got COVID. And I called him at home to check on him. And I says, how are you doing? He says, I got to go back to work. I said, what? Wait, you, you've done great. He says, no, I haven't met my goal. I says, Francisco, you, you're, you're, you've done amazing. No, he says, I'm going to sell $5 million. He turned around, came back to work for the last two weeks. He sold like $5,100,000 in nine months. And, and I mean, that was his goal. And, and that's why he's 50% owner of this company, because he has that ability. And but he's not a numbers guy. He doesn't do spreadsheets. He doesn't. And that's why Patrick, my general manager, was that guy. And Patrick's kind of the, the face and, and the volunteer and different boys and girls club, YMCA, things like that. But uh, but one can't live without the other. Yeah. And my, and my guess is because of the way that he came up to the business, he probably has a lot of respect from others, like from his peers. Well, Francisco, when I sold the business, he'd been there uh, 21 years, 22 years, and uh, I, you know, watched him get married, have his children, buy his first house, everything. So it's, he's like a he's like a son to me, yeah. and I'm so proud of him. And Patrick been there for about 12, 13 years, and uh, very, very astute, very uh, uh, understanding, and and uh, uh, he didn't have the personality of Francisco but he certainly is a numbers guy. So one can't live without the other. So, so anyhow, they're doing well. The, the, the growth of the company, the profitability last year was awesome. And it's going nothing but up from here. And you still own the Coachella Valley. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, proud, I'm proud of them. And, uh, Love it. I was out there earlier this year at Stagecoach. Not ah. Coach. Stagecoach. If I look out my window, I can see Stagecoach where it goes from here. Oh, well, uh, it was you on. Went, uh, Chris Stapleton. I did. I went, it, it's the first time I went. Um, I actually stayed at the JW, but then bust over to Stagecoach. Yeah. But it was awesome, except for it was a, probably a great week for business that week because it was like 110 and roasting <laughs> hot out there. It's a three-day f- country festival. I sweated my ass off, lost like 10 pounds out there, had a blast. But yeah. thankfully, it wasn't, the dust wasn't blowing around. So, well, Rusty and Steph came with us a few years ago, and we had, a, we had a blast. And I would take my motorhome over there and keep it in the RV side. And we could, we could go back and have happy hour before the main stage started. And I got, I'd always get VIP tickets on the front stage. Unfortunately, I wanted to go see Chris last time, but I had a function down in Florida I had to be at. So anyhow, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it, you know, Stagecoach and Coachella, uh, you know, I, they're like five miles from my house. Here. Hey, by the way, I, I just re-upped for next year. So feel free to go park that RV there again. So we got a little spot to go to. <laughs> oh man, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd come back and we could go out to the individual stages and listen, then come back and, you know, we'd have dinner there, we'd have lunch, whatever. And uh, we had a good time. So anyhow, uh, I'm excited for it. So, so I want to, we're like almost 50 minutes into this thing already, which is great. So, um, I want to ask just a, a, a few quick things before we, before we exit. And, and, um, and I know you have probably, I mean, you have tons of, tons of stories that we can tell. But, <laughs> I got a great story. Oh yeah. Go ahead. You share one and then I'll go. Okay. This one's, this was where we're at one of the dealer meetings. I think it was, and it was an event for Lennox. And I ended up being like, we were close friends, but you know, Stephanie and I, my wife ended up adopting apparently, or we became their uh, parents for Frank and Charlie and his <laughs> wife. And so now when he, he 
you know, when he popped on this thing this morning, uh, you heard him. I don't know, but I don't know if you were on yet, but he said, you know, hey, dad, how you doing? <laughs> anyway, we're at one of these events and, uh, you know, we have a lot of the same friends, Chris, you know, that, you know, I know. And we're at uh, Frank disappears. It's towards the end of the night. Everybody's gone. And, you know, his Charlene, his wife is like, have you seen Frank? Where the hell's Frank? We're like, I don't know where Frank is. You know, like, I lost track of my kid. So we don't know. But anyway, so. Paul and Trisha Kelly, you know, from Parker and Sons. Yep. I forgot who else was there, but anyway, she's like, he's gone. So we're like, well, let's all go up to his room and see if he's there. So I forgot who else was there, but anyway, there's us four for sure with the Kellys and us. And uh, Charlene's like, I'll leave the door kind of cracked open and Frank will, you know, he'll be in the room, whatever, if he is there. So we go up there and uh, he, you know, she goes in for a minute or two, whatever it is. And then we're going to sneak in the room. You know, and maybe catch him doing some busy stuff. You know, type of thing. <laughs> anyway, we walk in the room. I mean, we were crawling on our hands and knees, walking, coming in the room. And uh, Frank jumps up out of bed, butt ass naked. <laughs> and it wasn't like he was, you know, like pissed off trying to cover up or anything. He's more like, you know, hey, what's going on, everybody? And we're like, oh my God. He we got all, you. We all start running out of the room and we're running down the hall of the elevator and he's running down the hall behind us. What are you guys doing? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the cool part about this relationship is, you know, we've literally got to travel the world together I mean, in Africa, New Zealand, Australia, everywhere with them. And all the things that he does is so active. You know, we're doing a uh, whitewater rafting, climbing up out of Victoria Falls. I mean, there's been uh, so many great times with it, but I mean, that was one of the most memorable stories of, you know, I was just with Paul and Trisha in Ireland last week, and we were, we were talking about that same thing. You know, but I mean, that story's just not going to go away because it's so funny and there's such a good sport about it. Not embarrassed, nothing. So what I hear is Frank has no shame. <laughs> <None. laughs> a boy, Frank. Sounds like a good time. Hey, uh, are you... Just talking about being active, are you still like? Are you, are you still water skiing? Are you like competing still at your ah. at the at your young oh. age? Uh, you, yep, I am. I just went to a new class. I'm a baby in a new class, an 80 to 85 year old. And there's five of us in the United States that have competed for 45 years against each other. In that class is probably on the ranking list is maybe 16 guys, but there's five of us just go in, just went in, and now I, you know, something. I live on a lake here in Indio. And I built a lake out in Newberry Springs, which is on the other side of Barstow, a competition ski lake. And I'll be hosting Western, my eighth Western Regional Water Ski Championships next year. And we have competition out there. But yes, I still ski. I was blessed to, I was inducted in the Water Ski Hall of Fame in 2015. Uh, not for my skiing. I mean, I'm a good, decent skier, but I was for, I was a team manager, U.S. World Water Ski Team for 27 years. I took the kids all over the world for world championship competition. Uh, I was chairman of the committees. I was chairman of the board of American Water Ski Association years ago. So I've always stayed involved. And that's what's kept me young. People say, well, you, you don't look 80. No, I don't because I ski. I, you know, other than my hair is turned white. But, but uh, I, you know, I, I, I ski probably four days a week, sometimes five. Uh, I'm active. I'm president of, of the Desert Cancer Foundation out here. I'm very, I'm very active with that. Uh, and yes, I, I ski, you know, I skied yesterday uh, up in Sacramento before we left. And it's just, uh, it, it's, 
the people are what about, you know, what keeps me young is being around younger people. I mean, I, I can hang and keep up with Rusty. That's not a problem. <laughs> well, it's not saying a lot, but. We were, yeah, that's not saying much at all. We were in Spain and we, uh, he even brought his water ski with him. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to yeah, we went and skied while on a, on a Linux trip. That's commit. Yeah. That's commitment. But, uh, no, it's, it's good. You know, like I say, I, you have to stay active. Uh, I'll, you know, and my, my dad lived to be not till he was 96 and good Lord willing, I, you know, I hope I get a few more years. Every day is a blessing, but, uh, but life has been good to me and I, I, there's a lot of good people. So like you said, I enjoy giving back. In fact, tonight I've got a, a function where it's wine tasting. So it's not all bad, but it, it benefits <laughs> desert cancer. And uh, we've got a lot of people coming and just, just, Items like that. We have a big breast cancer walk. I used to chair that before I became president. We have last year we had over three thousand people do our breast cancer walk on El Paseo, which is in Palm, Palm Desert, and uh, we have uh, uh, another one, Dr. George Car Show, which is a one-day car show, and it's put on by Palm Springs Cruising. And last year they handed us a check at dinner for one hundred twenty thousand dollars for one oh, day nice. of car show. Wow! I mean, because after they paid all expenses, so. I just love being part of that and and uh, being involved. And then I'm I'm on the board of trustees for the Educational Foundation for Water Skiing, and we raise money for scholarships for kids to go to college. and And we give it; they get it when they're young, but it gets put in a trust fund. So if they don't go to college, they don't get the money. But that's it's good. and uh, that's re- very rewarding. And then I also I'm on a selection committee now. For, I have been for the last five years for. Uh, uh, Hall of Fame selection committee for those. We have a Hall of Fame ceremony in Florida every year, and you have to be retired for three years. And uh, so we go through people that have been nominated, and, and we have a big dinner down there and stuff. So, you know, I, I keep on the go all the time. <laughs> is it is it fair to say you're living your best life right now? <laughs> I am living the best life. You know, I'll, I'll say this because though the first two years I left General were the hardest two years I had. I just had a hard time wanting to let go, leaving the people, seeing the changes, everything like that. But I've gotten over it and uh, I go in there now and see the everybody and and I'm, I, I'm excited. They've got new vans, they're doing good, everything's going good. They're, it's their life now. They repainted a place because they want, they want, they said out with the old and in with the new. I says, I agree. So yeah, I think that's all right. I mean, oh, no, no, it's all, it's all good. And, uh, and and like I said, I just uh, I'm leading a good life. We we're very active. We're leading again. We're building a house down on the beach in Florida, right on the beach, and that's being you know they're getting ready to stucco the outside and start drywall on the inside. So that'll be ready right after the end of the year. Uh, it just you know we get in our motorhome. We travel. I bought this motorhome five years ago, brand new. I've got 107,000 miles on it. We don't <laughs> stop. We just go. Well, you know we, it wasn't meant to just roll, sit. Hall of Fame, you name it. It wasn't meant to just sit there. It is a no, but it does for a lot of people. Uh, Most people it does. <laughs> well, so anyhow, I, yeah, I, no I want, complaints. I want to. Well, good for you. I, I love it. I mean, it's it's fantastic that you stay active, and like I hope at that age that I'm very much the same the same way. I want to try experience as many things as I can while I'm able bodied. Um, I will I will give a, a, a quick shout out to this. So, not that you guys would have known anywhere, but I I, I flew back to Indianapolis uh, Monday evening for a quick meeting, like meeting Tuesday morning. And then I flew back home last night. I was, I think I was telling you guys that pre podcast, but here's a, an absolute blessing is, um, my, my, uh, my grandma is 91. Like she's a tough cookie, super close with my grandma. I'm definitely was the favorite, the favorite grandkid, a hundred percent. 
uh, always go fly back and I always go visit her because you never know. Like she'd been laying in bed for like two years. So passed away last night. Oh. So, so here's, I'm just, I'm not like, I'm not trying to bring the shit down right now. Okay. I'm saying I was grateful that I just happened to fly in and went straight to go see her. And I was able to say goodbye to her. And, um, and she acknowledged it. And then to the next day, after my mom and my uncle and my sister and my and her two brothers went and saw her and said goodbye to her, she passed. Like, doesn't that seem like she waited? Totally. God had a reason. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I really like felt a lot of peace with that. But up to like the last few years, kind of like you, Frank, she was super active, like always was busy doing things. And so I think that really contributed to her. To, I mean, 91's a good run. 91, she would be yeah, 92 yeah. next yeah. month. So, um, anyhow, point being is like, she was super active and I always thought, man, like she still go on the go and has no off switch and does all the things and was heavy in the community and done a lot of stuff with like registering people to vote and like all kinds of stuff. So, um, that was one thing that she'd always told me was to stay, to stay active. And, and clearly you're doing the, the exact same thing. And I don't even know how the hell you still have a little bit of Brown in your beard. Like how is it not full gray right now? Well, you know, I didn't have a beard till this last trip to Florida and, and I, I turned 80 as we were leaving. My wife says, you know, you need to start out the 80s different. So I let the beard grow, and this is the 80s look. Oh, is that what that is? That's the 80s look. <laughs> I don't know how long it'll stay on. But she says, well, it covers your wrinkles. It makes you look younger. I said, get over it. <laughs> I'm a kid from the 80s, but not those 80s. <laughs> I've, I've got a great picture. I've got a great picture. Hey, take this right here, my phone, and put it close to that camera. So that way you can see the picture of Rusty that I have on my phone. If you can get it in focus, I want you uh, to see it. It's not in focus, yeah. Uh, you guys, will you guys be able to do it? No, can't, can you see it? I can't. Hey, see it, don't, don't worry about it. Don't, hey, guys, don't worry about it. You're wasting your time. It's not a big deal. We'll just post it. Uh, anyway, it's the picture, Rusty, that, that you have, you know, with you with the nice long hair and the, and the vest on. That's like my favorite in my contact picture. That's, that's Rusty. Oh, I can see it there. <laughs> so, well. so let's, hey, let's finish with this because we're about an hour into this thing. Um, what I want you to do, uh, Frank, and, and feel free to chime in, Rusty, too, um, is, Maybe just to our listeners, like who are, um, you know, who are maybe newer in this, because we have we have a a, a great a, a great deal of people that listen to this podcast are trying to learn the things and to dodge the bullets and to miss you know the different hurdles and to get in good information or to learn different tactics or hear about different things, all these things to try and make their businesses be successful. I mean, can you imagine if you had something like this back then, where you had like different people sharing all the information with you, and you didn't even have to leave? your house, like learning the things. So, so you having 46 years in the trades and, and even, um, still doing coaching and consulting now, like what is, what's a really good piece of advice you'd give to those that are listening that are just trying to move the business, you know, forward? Like what's any good advice that you can share with some of those listeners to help them? You know, I, I ran my business and lived and it was called the palm and it started out with trust. I had this on the walls, the triangle, there's all different levels of trust, but you have to trust each other. Then you have to have communication and you got to be able to communicate with people. And we have a lot of different personalities. So everybody has to work hard at, then you have collaboration to where we're going to work together. Now we're communicating, let's work together and you have to believe in the cause. And if it's, if it's the company yourself and everything, and in the end, Chris, you, you have results and the results, 
They could be personal results. They could be money results. They could be whatever. But that's where it is. But take a step by step. And if you don't have trust in somebody, you're not going to get to the bottom. And uh, it's simple things that make it. Now, I'm not saying, you know, there's different ways to run business, but I'm talking about people and I'm a people person. And that's that was my belief is that uh, and I used to bring in personal trainers to emphasize that kind of stuff. Uh, Michael Saletta, he used to be president of report. He would come in and I close the business down for a day for my people to get this and it just fire them up. And, and we do all, you know, and and the business would every time after that happened, we'd have a growth spurt. People cared. They loved, you know, and, and, and you know, not everybody loves to get up in the morning, go to work. And especially in the, since, the, the, you know, this last generation, it's kind of like everybody just wants to get handed money and not work. And that's not the generation that I came from. How do you really feel, though, Frank? <laughs> so I just, uh, but, uh, nope, that, that's how I did it. I mean, uh, it, it's, I built my company that way. And I, like I said, I didn't micromanage. I believed in people. And you analyze them, trust them, uh, and you get the right people in the right position, your company's going to grow. Yeah, people will show you one way or the other, right? They're going to yep. show you who they are and what they're willing to do one way or the other. And, and, yeah. act, and by actions will speak, you know, speak louder than, than words. And kind of like your earlier point is, what was the, what's the, the gentleman's name who's now the, one of the owners? Was it Francisco? Did I say it right? Was that Francisco. Was Francisco. Yeah, um, Francisco. That, that guy showed you because he was doing the things after hours over the weekend, learning the stuff. Like that's what you want to see. That's good. That's good leadership. But that's just, you didn't ask. That's just what he did. So yeah. he showed you that he was, you know, had that, you know, that you know, resourcefulness, the, like the grit, the putting in the time, the effort, the work, the integrity, the ethic, all those things. So people will show you what they're willing to do. Uh, and then you can, but you know, sometimes you have to give them the tools like the leadership trains and things that you did to yeah. unlock some of that stuff. Well, and, and all types of training and everything. And of course, what, you know, you, you have leadership training, but obviously, you, you know, you've got all your other training that need to, to develop the trade in the right. industry, but, uh, but you have to start with the people and that's where I started with. And, and I think I, the two most, the two most important things in me were investing in my employees by training whether it be leadership training or technical training or whatever, and and marketing. I love marketing, and I was all over TV, all over the Valley, billboards. I mean, and people knew who it was. And I had a little dog called Cooper on the side of my vans, and he would go on TV with me, and he could salute the general. It was Private Cooper, and we'd be on TV doing a show, and he'd go like this and salute. And so one of the neatest things we did real quickly is that we got dog leashes with general air conditioning on, and if you had a dog, all the service guys had, if you had a dog, a homeowner had a dog, they left you a leash. So when they're out walking their dog with general all over the leash, you know, <laughs> that's so great. I'd never heard that before. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Rusty, yeah. What, the hell, what are you doing? <laughs> God. We have the weak hair teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> weak hair teddy bear. There you go. Somewhere wherever he is. <laughs> Rusty, well, what, any, any, any parting words from you, my friend? No, I think for businesses, I mean, it's what attracted me to Frank from his business at the general was really the culture part. And it's so important to have your people all rowing in the right direction and to see that love and care when he's talking about hugs. I mean, they're actual hugs. They're meaningful hugs. They care about each other. And, you know, we really got to change our whole business model based on watching to see what they do, you know, to bring it here. And, you know, 
it was a little intimidating to go to rapport leadership because he didn't tell me nothing about it. And my <laughs> wife did go first. That's a true story. And, uh, you know, she came back, she was different and everything else. And it's like, you know, a couple of weeks wore off, I'm being a jerk, you know, and I'm like, eh, it doesn't sound like rapport did you any good type of thing. And, <laughs> and then I went and the entire two and a half days, I mean, it was, uh, uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it from the start all the way to the finish. And then I left and we, uh, you know, we're driving back to Las Vegas and then it hit me then. Some people had hit some on the first night, some on the second night, and it hit me after it was over. Like, I'm finally, like, finally. Yeah, we stopped and had dinner in Vegas. I mean, I'm on the color code, so, I mean, I'm a red or a D on the disc profile, so I got to know what's around the corner, what's coming up. You know, I don't, I like to have fun, but I want to know what the fun's going to be, and <laughs> this is, they're just throwing things at you left and right, and it was scary. You know, then, like Frank talked about, it was an offshoot-driven uh, leadership that we are involved in now. And Frank and I've got to serve multiple times on, they call them sidekicks, and we get to to be together to watch our company go through the class and then watch their transformation as they're doing it. So a lot of good stuff there. So invest in your people. You know, you've heard the old adage about before about, you know, uh, you invest a lot of money in your people. What if they leave? Well, what if they stay? So yeah. it's that same thing. Yeah. He invested Amen. so much time and money into people, you know, because he cared about them. And that's what really made the general flourish was that level of care and kept them coming and, you know, people knocking at the door to come work for you. That's a lot better way than instead of trying to always find people. We still have to do both, but I'm just saying like, it's a, he ran a great company for all those years and, uh, you know, I'm happy to know him. It was uh, still looking forward to more times together. So. Yeah. And this is one of these things that regardless of time of year, that will always be applicable, right? Like always is, right. you know, how you treat people, you know, minimize can minimize turnover how you you know customer service uh continue to customer service to death reputation over revenue mentality i've said it multiple times i had a shirt made that said reputation over revenue because <clears throat> i believed yep. if if uh you really focused heavily on doing things right way with the right intent doing a good job uh if you make mistakes you own them you learn from them you fix them you don't lie about it you just try and get it done you give the employees the tools that they need you give them the power to also mess up and own it and be okay with that and learn from those things um so i'm a big believer in reputation over revenue because if you do all those things your business should continue to scale and then the revenue comes with it so that's been my mentality so guys i appreciate you you coming on here i mean we're an hour into this thing we did a good job well i i'm thank Thank you and thank Rusty and you know I, I'm I'm honored you know to both ways because I'm so proud of Rusty and what he's doing and and how he's grown his organization and uh, and I I just you know I'm honored that he asked me to be on here and thank you for the interview. Oh my my pleasure. And by the way, when I see Rusty, I hug him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I he, hug him too. He always squeezes though just a little bit too long, and I feel his hands <laughs> sliding down my back. Sorry, Stephanie. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure I probably told you that. <laughs> uh -oh. Hey, Frank. Congratulations on a really, really great uh, uh, career, and and just for being a, a good, a good human being, and and, and a good leader in the trade. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And Rusty, you just keep working on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there someday you know, when I grow up. Let's uh, let's I'll cheer some, uh, for you. Let's do some more Pappy Van Winkle together. A hundred percent, I'm in on that. You don't have to tell. You don't have to tempt me too much. Just tell me when to be there.
<laughs> All right. Well, listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast too. I always love when I get to get get uh, have a guest on that can give a history lesson. Somebody who's been in the trades for a long time, and uh, and and Frank's like the Dos Equis guys, like one of the most interesting dudes in the world. Do, does a bunch of different things. Still super active. I hope to be those things too. But um, it's cool to see like the friendship that you, the friendship that you guys have forged from really mentorship, and um, but just to see companies who did it right, you know, and had success and focusing on, you know, the people, the human being aspect of the business. And just, and in addition to all that, just doing good stuff because doing good is good business. So to both of you guys, I appreciate you. Um, and to our listeners, obviously, if you wanted to leave a review for either one of these guys, I'd be happy to share it with them. I know they'd love to, 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 um, for me to read it to them or, or text it over to them. I do that often. Um, and listen, there's lots of different things that you can do to, you know, to scale your business. And like Frank said, yeah, even though we talked a lot about leadership training and things like that, there's also the technical side things you have to you know, be paying attention to frequently. And probably that's uh, arguably, I think, the, would be more difficult for me, who is a high eye and a, uh, and a yellow on the color code. Um, very much uh, that leadership training and all that stuff is right in my wheelhouse as an extrovert. So I feel like I would have, I feel like I would have got the seal of approval in that one. But listen, you got to do something. Like, you know, there's, whether it's training, whether it's, you know, doing uh, team builders, whether it's doing community service, it's like whatever it is that you decide to do. You know, I always say you don't have to do everything, but you got to do something. Amen. No, no, zero. Finish it, Rusty. I don't know. Days. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, that might be the first failure we've ever had for the closing of the podcast on no zero day. So Rusty, thank you. for Nailed it. I really appreciate you. <laughs> All right, listeners. Thank appreciate you, you guys until next time. We'll see you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, Here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.